Hey everyone, what's up? It is Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival Magazine, and welcome to podcast episode number 278. So this week's episode comes from a deep source of aggravation that I have over choosing of a concealed carry weapon. Now, I'm going to be focusing on choices for women here, but this really applies to anyone, and especially for anyone who is either new to carrying a gun on them for personal defense, or if you're challenged in some way, such as with grip strength due to being smaller frame or older. Now, I have some very important considerations that I think most people just don't even think about when it comes to handgun choice. So let me go out a little bit on a rant right now, as well as offer some practical advice that I know will help you out no matter what your current level of experience is. And don't worry about taking notes because we've done all the heavy lifting for you with this week's free show notes covering all the main points for your personal action plan. All you need to do is head on over to www.mcsmagazine.com 278 and download it all absolutely free. And now, let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine. And listen, um, I know this, I realize that this is going to be one of those episodes where people are going to have strong opinions and I'm going to be giving you my opinion, right? So as always, I like to hear everybody else's opinion. So make sure that you do leave a comment on our blog page where we are going to be hosting this podcast episode right now. Um, but we're talking about the choice of a weapon. Anytime that we talk about the choice of a weapon, whether it is for, for men or for women or for experience, non-experience, whatever it is, right? Like everybody has what they consider to be the best choice. And the thing about this is that no matter what weapon it is, no matter what your circumstances are, it is a very personal choice. But I can tell you that there are right ways to approach your choice and there are wrong ways to approach your choice. And this is really kind of more of a rant episode because I have witnessed so many times, especially if, you, if you're like me and you just like to go to the gun store, go to Cabela's or Bass Pro and you're waiting in line there like it's the butcher shop with your number in hand to go look at another weapon that might be under the glass there. But you can you see a bunch of other people there as well. And I can't tell you how many times I've been there and there will be um, a guy and his, his wife or girlfriend or it'll just be a woman alone and they're new to shooting, and so they go, they ask the person behind the counter um, what would be the best weapon to choose. Now, sometimes if it's a guy bringing his girlfriend in or his wife in, sometimes that like it's it's their choice. Like you should do this. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they know, they know what they're talking about. But the person behind the counter, I always see it as like if you're in a if you're in a position where you are selling a firearm. You should really know how to help guide people to what that choice is. But I can tell you that very, very, it doesn't happen very often that I hear somebody really start out with the approach the right way. And that is because it is such a personal choice of asking questions rather than just jumping to, well, this is what my wife carries and so she really likes it a lot or um, this is... You know, here, here's a very popular gun among the ladies, what, whatever it is, right? So again, I'm going to be focusing in on women's choice, and this is going to be for, for concealed carry purposes, okay? So uh, choosing a weapon for personal, uh, personal protection for concealed carry. But this does apply really to anybody, no matter what gun you're choosing for, because there are certain steps you should take with figuring out what is the best one there, not just what you saw online, not just somebody's review on YouTube or anything like that, okay? So really what it comes down to for me is you need to look at three things. 
right? So for especially when it comes to a um, when it comes to a, a concealed carry firearm, it's not going to save you. You you carry a gun to save you in the case of a life or death situation, and that gun cannot save you if three things don't happen. One, you can get to it, right? You have to be able to get to that weapon to be able to employ it. Two, you need to be able to operate that weapon, okay? And then the third thing, which a lot of people don't really don't think about, is you need to be able to pull the trigger. And I don't mean mechanically. So let's go ahead and start with that first. Because for me, that is the first question that every gun seller, you know, every person that's selling, you know, behind that counter selling a weapon, that is the question that they need to ask first, okay? So I'm going to deal with that one first. So that is the why of the situation. So why is it that you want to have a firearm to be able to carry? Okay, so I would ask any woman this, anybody that talks to me, and I do have women that come up to me and they'll talk with me, whether it's at a hand-to-hand class that we might, I might be taking part in or doing myself. And when we talk about firearms, they might ask, well, I've been thinking about getting a firearm and so what kind should I get? I don't start to talk about what kind they should get. I should I first ask them, well, what do you want a firearm for? Because if you're brand new to firearms, you know, you need to be able to understand what the dynamics are of being able to use a firearm. And I'm not talking about necessarily the mechanical part, I'm talking about the mental part of it. Are you sure that you can pull the trigger even when it comes to saving your own life? Okay, so that's a hard question for people to answer because unless you've been in a situation where you've had to pull the trigger against somebody, a live human being, even somebody that is is shooting at you, even somebody that is attacking you, I can tell you that that's, that is not an easy thing to do. I've talked about it here on the podcast before. My own combat experience, I remember the first time that I pulled the trigger on a live human being, even people that were shooting at me, I remember thinking, I hope I'm not hitting this person. I know that sounds weird. It, it wasn't a logical thought. It was just, it was, a, it was an instinctual thing like, oh my God, um, people can die and I can die, and those people can die, but it becomes a very human experience at the same time. I've talked about this before where it's like, okay, they're the enemy, but do they have children? Like I remember thinking like, oh my God, I'm never going to see my children. I'm going to die right here on the battlefield. And I remember thinking that those people that are firing at me as well, I wonder if they don't have a choice. Maybe they have to shoot. I know that sounds very strange and it's not a warrior type attitude. Now I overcame that very quickly when I felt a bullet zing by my ear, but nonetheless, if it is a human, and especially for women, because they have a natural maternal nurturing instinct, giving life is a much more powerful emotional experience than taking a life beforehand right like you there's there's this wonderful joy if any of you have children or you've been experiencing great well you would have had children if you had grandchildren most likely well i guess not that right but nonetheless giving life is a very powerful emotional experience taking life is also but you don't realize it necessarily until until either you have to pull the trigger and you realize that you can't and i've seen that happen i've seen it happen on the battlefield where people could not actually pull the trigger all right. Same thing happens here. So for women, especially, I think, and this is not, a, this is just kind of a blanket statement. So this might not apply to you, but because women have a natural maternal nurturing instinct, it may possibly be harder to take a life by pulling the trigger there. Now, I will say that women also have a very protective instinct. So when you take it out of the realm of defending your own self, your life, your life out there, and you look at it from the standpoint of would you be able to pull the trigger if it were you were you were protecting somebody else, like a child or your grandchild? 
most women would not have a problem doing that because they also have a very natural, in, the, in that maternal, in that nurturing instinct, they have a very protective instinct as well. But this is a very important question. Now, how do you know if, unless you've been facing an attacker, whether you could actually pull the trigger? Well, a few things that I found to be kind of good litmus tests here, okay? One is, would you be able to go hunting? Would you be able to pull the trigger and be able to shoot a deer? Would you be able to take a living thing's life? So I would say if you're a guy looking to um, help out your, your partner, if either you hunt and they won't go with you to go hunt because they don't want to kill a deer, but they think that they could kill a human being or shoot a human being, I wouldn't be so sure about that. Okay, so that is one litmus test that you can use is will they go hunting with you? If they do go hunting, are they able to pull that trigger there or do they back out of it? I've heard stories where people have gone, they've tried to be able to do it, but they've backed out of it. All right. So that's one litmus test there. The other thing that you can do is to go to the live fire range, but don't put up a target that is like a practice target, like a square target or even a silhouette target. You want something as realistic as possible. So whether that is a situation where it is, um, you can do force on force training with dry fire, just be very careful about that. It's a very, um, it's a very powerful experience. It's usually an, an advanced level of training. Nonetheless, it does give you the ability, if it's in a structured, safe environment, for somebody to be able to um, be able to deal with the dynamics of somebody who is maybe woofing on them or gaining their trust, getting close to them, ambushing them. There might be hand to hand if it's a safe padded environment. Can you get to an airsoft gun? Can you get to a laser gun? Would you be able to? So those are dynamics where somebody might say, you know what, um, I can't even deal with this face-on-face -face type of force-on-force -force training. That if that right there is difficult, if they can't take the training part of it in a safe environment, their mental faculties that they'll have available to them to be able to employ, to be able to get to and employ a weapon and use that weapon for their own personal defense is going to be much uh, less of a chance when it's the real thing because of the adrenaline that's going, because of the panic of the attack, everything that's happening there, everything that takes mental faculties to be able to do that, I can tell you that is most likely not going to be there, in which case a firearm may not be your best option here, all right? If you do go to the live fire range and, and you're able to do that, which is the easiest thing to do, find a target that is close to a real person as possible. So there are photo targets that have a bad guy on them, but you wanna be able to make it as realistic as possible. You can even do this even at home with uh, 3D targets in your home. Um, I talk about this in the Tactical Funhouse uh, product that, that we have, the video course that we have, that is not available to the public, that is only available, it's actually available for free if you take the, um, if you take, if you sign up for the, uh, the course, uh, the, I'm sorry, the online masterclass that I did with Ox, uh, on the Praxis method. And if you go to praxis, praxisclass.com, that's P-R-A-X-I-S.com, <clears throat> praxisclass.com, you can go and, uh, and get access to that. And inside of that masterclass, I do give access to the free Tactical Funhouse course. And that basically lets you set up a tactical range in your home that's safe, it's very, very effective, and it shows you lots of different types of targets that you can do yourself, super inexpensive, and one of those is 3D targets that you can make yourself that are very, very realistic, okay? So those are some things that you can do to be able to even just see whether or not that person is able to do that. Now, if you do go to the live fire range and you are observing somebody, go ahead and shooting at a, at a personal type target, a three-dimensional type target, or a real uh, picture of a person, 
you don't want to just notice what they're, uh, you're not looking for like how, sh how close their shot group is. You want to notice, you want to watch their face. All right, so stop watching where they're shooting at and watch how they react to the target. Okay, so are they hesitant? Do look at the facial expression that they have, okay? That's what you're looking for. How do they feel? Because it's that emotion at that time when they're pulling the trigger that's gonna tell you how effective they're going to be at using a firearm. Now, I'm not gonna say that this is all encompassing because with proper training, of course, you can get more used to it, all right? So we're only talking about the initial effects here. But if you do have somebody that really is not very gun-friendly, wasn't really, you know, they're looking at it for personal defense, but they're not really into guns, you need to take all of that really into account because it a gun might not be the best option for them. Your goal really is for them to be safe, right? Their goal is to be able to survive a real-life attack. Well, a gun isn't the only way to do that. Is it the best way? Yes, it can be under those circumstances where you have to be able, you have the ability to, again, get to your weapon and operate it and pull the trigger, those three things, okay? But if any of those aren't available for you, if you can't get to it, if you can't operate it and you can't pull the trigger, then I would consider looking at something else. That is a, a much it's a lower hurdle to get over to be able to put that into use. It's a lower hurdle to get to it, a lower hurdle to operate it, and a lower hurdle to actually basically pull that trigger, if you will. So what I mean by that is something like a taser. Now, I'm a big, 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 big fan of tasers. Um, I have been, especially over these uh, these last couple of years, as I've really gotten to use them a lot more and, and really find more opportunities to be able to put them into um like in the in not, in the, not just in the training, but also into my personal defense platform, I love tasers. And tasers are very safe for women to be able to use. Now you have to check your local laws for your state, what you're able to, even your even your local laws that you have, whether you be able to. And for example, in I live I have a place in Texas, and I also have an office here where I'm at right now in Illinois. In Texas, I can buy a taser, take it with me right out of the store. I can use it right there in the parking lot, no problems whatsoever. In Illinois, you need a firearms identification card, um, for a firearms operation identification card just to be able to own that taser. Now, if I have it, then I can use it, but you've gotta go through the process of getting it. They look at it just like a firearm, okay? So you need to know what your options are where you live. If you wanna know whether you have the, um, where you have to have some sort of a license for it or not, try buying one off of Amazon. Um, what I discovered is that if you try and buy, and for, exact, for example, I just bought a new taser uh, when I was in here in Illinois and I went to go buy it and it said, we're not able to ship this to you in Illinois. I changed my address in Amazon over to Texas. Not a problem whatsoever. Okay. So that's one quick way to see whether or not you do it, but I should always check your laws anyway. So a taser might be a good option or even just a personal alarm that where you pull the pin on it and it has a high decibel alarm that goes off. Okay. That right there, bad guys don't want to be spotted. They don't want to, they don't want to draw attention. So that might be a better option for you. Pepper spray is another option as well. Again, with all of these, you need to be able to get to it, operate it, and be able to pull that trigger on it. Okay. But those are much easier, safer options. Um, that are alternatives or in addition to using a firearm, okay? So I know, look, I know I've spent a lot of time on this, but this is the most critical thing that you need to be able to ask, even ask yourself, because I know that for, for anybody out there, man or woman, I know you think you're going to be able to pull the trigger, no problem whatsoever. I would blow that guy away. I'm here to tell you, you don't know until you're actually facing a live person that is trying to take your life, okay? That's when you find out. 
Again, I've been in the military, I've been in combat. I can tell you that I've been with the most highly trained soldiers that are out there. And I have seen that dilemma, that mental dilemma go through people's minds, especially when they're newbies to the, to the, com, to, to the battlefield. You see a lot of new soldiers. You really got to get them over that, hur- that hurdle of their first firefight, okay? Everybody has their first firefight when you're in combat that way. You don't, hopefully you'll never have one, but this is a question that you really need to ask yourself now. Okay, so again, you're, what you're looking for is that initial hesitation from somebody. Again, we're talking about women and concealed carry here. I'm really trying to focus in on that, but I really want you to know that this really applies to everybody across the board. Okay, all right. So we've hit that first one there, which is, are you able to pull the trigger? All right. So now let's let's backwards plan here. Okay, because now we, let's talk about the other thing you had to do, which is to get to your weapon. So this is a big thing for concealed carry. It's in how you carry it. And that's what you need to understand. So again, if you, if you picture the guy behind the counter or the woman behind the counter that's selling a firearm there. So that first question I would ask, well, why do you want this? What For what, you know, for what purpose do you want it? And ask them some questions to be able to try and get out of there, whether or not you think that they're, you know, have they looked at other options that might be easier for them, okay? But this other one is asking people, where are you going to carry it? And most of the time when I, when I ask women this question that they like, especially like in a self-defense class with women that are looking to be able to get, to, to get a firearm, um, it, they stop. Like they haven't thought about that. And in concealed carry, we talk about dressing around the gun. Well, the first part of that is to be able to know where are you going to carry the gun? Because then you're going to determine where you're going to dress, right? So you need to be able to get to it. Now, this is harder for women than it is for guys, I will, I'll tell you, because for guys, we have a lot more options based upon how we dress. I got to say, guys really aren't all that fashion conscious, right? I certainly am not, right? So um, women, though, are much more fashion conscious, I typically find. But you need to look at where are you going to carry it? So when you look at, um, if you even go online, you look at Google Images, and you look at shopping malls, and you see how people really dress, or if you if you think about how your your spouse or your girlfriend dresses, or if you're a woman listening to this, how do you typically dress? How do you dress for work? How do you dress casually? Do you wear a um, do you typically wear sweatpants? Well, that's not really going to hold up um, a, a heavier pistol that might be on you know trying to just clip it to the drawstring of your sweatpants. If you wear tighter fitting tops, which is what women typically do, it might be harder to to conceal a weapon there. Um, Do you typically wear dresses or skirts? Do you wear them to work? You have to first look at where are you going to carry this? Where are you going to carry your pistol? Now, most women think it's going to be their purse. Okay, that's what most women think they're going to do because they most like most often have a purse with them, and so they're going to when they're out and about, they're going to for concealed carry, they're going to carry a purse. Now, I'm not a big fan of having it in a secondary a piece of accessory that's not on your person, especially when it comes to things like a purse. Number one is because um, bad guys are after your purse. So it might be somebody that just tries to snatch your purse. If they're if you're trying to wrestle it away from them, okay, well, your gun that you're going to be able to use to defend yourself is inside of that purse. If somebody just grabs and snatches it, whether it's off of the, the seat of your of your car, it's a smash and grab situation, or you're at a stoplight, your window's open, it's summertime, they just grab it, or if it's on your person, they're able to take it from you. Now you don't have that weapon with you. Now it's out there. You're gonna it's stolen. It's now you have to go back and get another another firearm. You have a whole bunch of problems that are there, right? But the other part is that most women don't have a purse 
or a pocket, do we, do we call them pocketbooks anymore? Wait, handbags, I guess you call them, um, that are really designed for concealed carry. The gun usually ends up either down inside of the deep rate recesses of that purse or in a side compartment with a zipper on it. And so you need to be able to look at where are you going to carry it that you are you are going to be able to get to it. Now, I'll tell you that most most attacks happen as an ambush. You're not going to have a lot of reaction time here. So if you think that you're going to be able to unzip the top of your handbag and then unzip the side pouch of your handbag and be able to get to it or reach down inside of your handbag and fumble around among the lipstick and the hairbrush and try and find the the, the handgun inside of there. That's typically not going to happen. It's, it's hard enough for me to get across even to guys that are carrying appendix carrier on their waistband and let them know that typically you are going to have to fight to your gun because it is most likely going to be an ambush. You're going to be in extreme close quarters. You need to be able to get to it, but you're most likely going to have to fight to it. Again, not trying to be sexist here, but a lot of women are a smaller statue. They're not as strong as men, maybe not as experienced, certainly as somebody who is a violent predator that's out there looking for somebody that is smaller and weaker than them and targeting you specifically because of your age or of your stature. Well, you're, you might have to fight to that weapon also. So again, I'm not a big fan of using a purse, but I do understand that that is probably the easiest way for most women to be able to carry something with them, all right? If you do carry in a purse, I would not see um, the firearm as necessarily your primary weapon. This is where I would suggest having some sort of other alternative weapons, some sort of a backup weapon that is actually your primary, something like a taser with a flashlight on it that you can carry in your hand because you're not going to carry a firearm in your hand. Now, I know some women will carry their, will put their hand in their purse and have it on their firearm when they are actually like heading out to their car. But nonetheless, having something like a flashlight with a taser on it works really, really well for having that as a primary weapon. So if somebody does reach out and come try and get to you, you can zap them there with that thing or warn them off of the zapper and then be able to get to your firearm if you need to, okay? So again, purse is one, one thing here. Now, I will say when it comes to the type of weapon that you're going to get, because we're going to be talking about this revolver versus um, automatic, or semi-automatic pistol, okay? And, and with that, the if you're looking at carrying a purse, then a revolver has an advantage in that situation, okay? Um, one, they're ready to go with a trigger pull. So again, just if in case you are really, you're new to firearms in general, um, a revolver is has a cylinder on it where the bullets are carried. They can be anywhere from five bullets in there to um, to all the way up to like ten bullets, depending upon the different uh, you know, what the caliber is there of the of the firearm. Okay, but typically it's about six rounds, five or six rounds that are the, uh, inside of that cylinder. And this is the kind of the old the old cop guns that you're used to seeing. You pull the trigger, the cylinder rotates, just like the old West guns, right? So those are revolvers, semi-automatic pistol. This is where the magazine, the bullets are inside of the handle of the pistol, and it will automatically load the next round by the slide on top of the handgun using the the uh, um, <clears throat> basically the combustion of that round to be able to throw that slide back and it chambers another round and it gets rid of the, the casing for the, the bullet that you just shot down range. Okay, so just so you understand what I'm talking about, 
those are the different types. Those are the two types of weapons that we're talking about here. Okay. So with a purse, if you are going to carry it on a purse, then a revolver is going to have an advantage there because it is ready to go with a trigger pull. All right. So you can keep, I mean, there is no, you don't have it like a safety on it. So you can just basically grab the gun. Um, the safety is really that the trigger is harder. It has a longer pull on it. So you have to really pull back on the trigger harder. So because of that long trigger pull, it's, it is, I mean, you still need to have it inside of a, inside of a holster inside of your, inside of your purse, but it is, um, it's ready to go. You pull it out, you pull the trigger, it's going to go off as opposed to if you had a semi-automatic pistol that did not have a round in the chamber. Okay. So you can carry one where it's, you pull it out and it's ready to go. You pull the butt, you pull the trigger and it will shoot around. Okay. Um, there's less of a trigger pull on that. So it's easier to pull that trigger back, which is beneficial if you don't have, um, uh, much, uh, hand strength. Okay. Um, however, revolver is easier to grab onto because of the type of handle that it uses can be easier to grab onto in, inside of your purse than a, um, than a semi-automatic pistol with. Okay. Will be also, um, take your purse sometime, especially if it's one that you use a lot, take all of the items out of it and then dump it upside down and shake it out on a, onto a table and look and see all of the gunk that's inside of there. Okay. I'm talking about, uh, you're going to have makeup shavings that are going to be inside of there, eyebrow pencil shavings, lint from inside of, from the, from the lining of the purse, all of that gunk has a way of finding its way. Just like I, I have no idea how, how lint gets in deep down into our belly buttons. I'm not, I'm not shoving my shirt down to my belly button, but why the hell, how the hell does all of this lint end up in the belly button? Well, all of that lint and all that gunk inside of your purse somehow wants to end up inside of your weapon as well. So if you have a semi-automatic pistol, um, I had one friend of mine, she had um, carries a semi-automatic pistol in her purse. She took it out after a couple of years. Actually, I mean, she's not fighting bad guys with it, but she really just had it there for personal defense, but didn't really train with it. She took it out to go use it at the range. Sure enough, it shot the first round out of there. Problem was, it didn't load the second round. Now, the reason was the magazine itself. It was all gunked up. It, it had, uh, and that's usually what I find malfunctions that happen where the round isn't getting fed or it's fed improperly. Most of the time, I find it to be the magazine to be the issue. If it has any sort of gunk or lint in there, it might, it might take the spring and it might keep it from operating. Um, very well, or it might just might just hold that that bullet in there just enough where it doesn't load properly. So you need to be very very careful of that. Okay. Um, so again, inside of a purse, if you are going to carry inside of a purse, I do recommend that you actually use a revolver. Okay, that be because it is the simplest, easy thing, easiest thing to do. You grab it, you pull the trigger, you're good to go with it. All right. Um, now, if you are going to carry, um, cause we're in the get to it. If you are going to carry it on, um, if you want a semi-automatic pistol, which has the benefit there of being flatter, it's going to be more concealable. All right. Then you have a better chance of carrying it on your body and it's going to be up more highly concealed. Now for that, I would use something like a belly band, a corset band, or tops that have a built-in holster to them. There's a company out there that I think does an amazing job with, Concealed carry for women, especially for women that are are wearing tighter fit clothing, something that's more shapely. Uh, there's a company called Dean Adams. That's D-E-N-E Adams.com. 
Uh, has really, really great stuff. And it has for active wear as well as um, like corset. Uh, just really great, uh, really great items in there. I can't speak to them. I don't have them myself. Um, my spouse doesn't carry a, a firearm, so I don't really know. I haven't really heard from people about how well these work, but looking at them, they seem like they work really, really well. Okay, so now let's go ahead and go into the third factor here, which is you need to be able to operate your weapon, okay? You need to be able to operate it. In other words, um, what type of pistol is going to allow you under stress to be able to employ that weapon for your own personal defense? Is it going to be a revolver or is it going to be auto-loading, okay? So I always start with this question when it comes to Murphy's Law. In other words, you need to plan for the worst case scenario that's out there, not the best case, all right? So that worst case is gonna be, the bad guy is not gonna come from you from across the street and say, hey, give me your money, or hey, I'm gonna attack you, hey, I'm gonna rape you. They, it's gonna be an ambush. You're gonna be walking by um, in, in, in a parking lot, somebody's gonna be hiding behind a car, you're walking to your car, they just reach out, grab you, you don't even realize it's happening all until their arms are around you and they're dragging you inside of a van or in the back of the parking lot, whatever it is, okay? So it's going to be an ambush. Um, even if you can get to your gun, I always look at that gun is going to malfunction, all right? That's Murphy's Law. You gotta plan for the worst. You're gonna go to get that gun. You're gonna try and pull it, but you know, if it's the type of, a, of if it's a semi-automatic pistol, for example, and the safety is on because you have a, a manual safety on it, you're gonna keep trying to pull that trigger because all, you just want you know that pulling the trigger makes a bullet come out, but you're not thinking about the safety. It happens all the time, all right? So, or you go like my friend did, you pull the trigger, that first bullet goes out, but it doesn't hit its mark, and all of a sudden it doesn't load a second round in there. What are you going to do? So that is where I start when it comes to, um, for this factor, this is where I start, is planning for the worst case scenario, all right? So when we look at the worst case here, you need to look at, again, how quickly can you get to it? But when you do employ it, how easy is it to operate? So as I just said there, if you're, if you're choosing a semi-automatic pistol because that's what your man carries or that's what the guy behind the counter said, you know what, this is what you want because it carries a lot more rounds with it, which it, it can. Um, however, when you choose a semi-automatic pistol, are you going to get one with a manual safety? I recommend that you don't. You want something that when you pull the trigger, it's gonna go bang and a bullet is gonna go out. Now that's one of the, again, that's one of the advantages of a revolver. Pull the trigger, gun goes bang. Semi-automatic pistol, if you have an integrated safety, where it might be in the, if it's like a Glock, where it has the, the safety is in the actual trigger, so it's, you have to pull that trigger back in order for, for that bullet to go out, then that is gonna be your best option if you're gonna choose a semi-automatic pistol, all right? But again here, let's go ahead and look and see whether or not you really belong with a revolver or an autoloader. All right, so this comes down to, I always look at it as knowledge, training, and and basically the thought process that goes into it, okay? So when we look at stoppages here, reloading and stoppages are the two things that I think really separate how easy these are to operate, besides the uh, the safety, okay? So for a revolver, reloading it, super easy. Open up the cylinder, bullets come out, new bullets go in, okay? So if you do need to reload, now, I don't focus too much on reloading because basically if you're pulling that trigger, it means the bad guy is having a bad day. Even if you don't hit that person, 
just that thing going off, bang, means that they're having a bad day. And usually these things are psychological stops. Most guys are going to run off. They're not going to sit there and try and 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 um, have a gunfight with you, okay? So I don't focus too much on reloading when it comes to the initial personal defense weapon choice, all right? But stoppages, I do. So in other words, like my, like my friend, I told you she went, first round goes bang, second one doesn't go bang. With a revolver, if, I mean, it's very rare that you would get any kind of a malfunction on it. But if you did, let's say that, let's say that you had a round that was, you forgot to take on the last, when you went and loaded it, you were at the range, you wanted to put your bullets back in there. But let's say of the six rounds that were in there that were spent, you, um, you thought you put six bullets in, but you only put five in and you have an empty cartridge that's in there and you don't know it, right? So you pull the gun out, it's an attack. You go to pull the trigger, but it doesn't go bang because it was an empty casing that was in there that in, inside of that, that uh, chamber. Well, you, all you do is you pull the trigger again and then the, the cylinder twists. Now you got a real bullet in there, gun goes bang. It's as simple as that. If you have an autoloader pistol like my friend here, first round goes bang, but now the next one doesn't, are you gonna know how to use that weapon, how to, how to basically clear that weapon um, autoloaders, uh, semi-automatic uh, guns, you're going to have to be able to rack that slide back. Do you have the strength to be able to do that? Okay, now there are ways to train that use your body mechanics that make it easier to be able to rack that slide back. There are also things that you can add onto the actual weapon that make grabbing onto the slide where you don't need as much grip strength there, okay? So there's things that you can, um, you can add to it. There are customizations you can do as well. Um, however, um, in fact, uh, there's a there's slip-on things that actually uh, go right on the rack, uh, right on the slide there that make it you can grip onto it, and also you can get one from um, oh what is it um, from um, I'm gonna think of it here in just a minute, but um, <clears throat> Colonel Grossman has a customization that he does to slide so you can send your firearm off, and it's it was especially done for people who are older and don't have as much grip strength. And uh, Colonel Gro D uh, Dave Grossman, for those, for those who don't know, and I'll go ahead and put a link inside of the resources section. You can go over to, uh, it's actually his um, son or his son-in-law, I forget if it's, but they have their own uh, customization program where you, they can actually get that done for you as well. And it works really, really well. I'll put, the, I'll put it in the show notes here for the, for the podcast if you want to take a look at that, okay? But there are things that you can do there related to that. But nonetheless, when the gun goes bang, and I've seen this even out on the live fire range, even on days that we teach um, reloading, basically, um, and, and stoppages, if, unless it's, if it's an exercise that is not related, like specifically, okay, your gun, we have a, a snap cap in there, so your gun's gonna, you're gonna pull the trigger and it's not gonna go bang, and you're gonna, you're gonna load in another magazine, and we're gonna work on stoppages. When it's not a stoppage drill, and they're already expecting that this is gonna happen, and it's just regular shooting, even guys that have gone through the ability to uh, to reload their weapon, um, uh, it like a combat reload or a, a stoppage reload. Um, when it's not that drill, they will still they they won't actually go through the reload, even having the extra magazine on them. So there's always this mental hiccup that happens there because you, your brain's first has to reg register. Wait a minute, that was supposed to go bang. If it's a stoppage drill, it's a false sense of confidence because. 
you know that there's going to be a stoppage. You're already prepared for it. But when you're not prepared for it, when is you pull your gun and it's a it's an actual attack, unless you have trained the hell out of stoppages, which most people just do not even train for it at all, then you're going to have that mental hiccup there. So again, the revolver really helps here. A, a semi-automatic weapon, unless you plan on really training for stoppages, what to do with malfunctions, again, that's going to really work against you. You need to think about a revolver here, okay? All right. Um, so those are the main things that I look at when it comes to what type you're going to use there. Revolver is much simpler, much easier to use. So if you're not going to train that much, if you just want to be able to have there and you just want to be able to pull it out and pull the trigger, I would definitely say a revolver. But again, if you're looking at, you're going to be carrying out in your person, revolver might not be the best because it might be harder for you to get to. It might be harder for you to conceal that way. All right. So those are some factors right there. All right, so let me give you some bottom line stuff here, some actionable points here, okay? Just some straight to the point, like here's what I recommend. If you are a beginner with no plans for living a trained concealed carry lifestyle, and by that I mean, yes, you can, over, you can, you can overcome some of these hurdles by training in the overcoming of the hurdles. So the best example I can give you for that is that women police officers are issued essentially the same or have the same choices oftentimes or are issued the weapon that is given to men. So that can be a larger frame semi-automatic pistol. They don't typically get revolvers, okay? So women that are, especially smaller stature women, smaller stature women that are put on police forces, they're given a larger weapon that might be too big for their hands. So what do they have to do? They have to train to overcome it, okay? Um, you can you can train out those hurdles. That's fine. You can do that. So if you decide that, yes, I am going to, but it, it requires training. So if you decide, yes, I can train this and I do want a larger frame pistol or if I do want, I do want a semi-automatic because I want the advantage of having more rounds or it's easier for me to conceal and so I will carry it with, you, me, with me more, then by all means, if you are going to do that, then go with a semi-automatic pistol. But if you don't have any plans for living that trained concealed carry lifestyle, go with the simplicity of a revolver. All right. There are still ways you can carry it on your person. It might be harder to conceal, but you can, again, dress around the gun so that you can make it easier to conceal. You can use it in a purse. I do recommend that you have a purse that's specific for concealed carry. That you can quickly, quickly get to it. But again, a revolver, you pull it out, pull the trigger, you're good to go. It's simple. All right. Um, so that would be the other thing that if you are planning on, nope, this is for my purse. Again, I recommend a revolver. If you are going to have something on your body, I do recommend a semi-automatic pistol again, as long as you are going to train it because it is going to be flatter. It is going to be more comfortable for you. And it is going to be, and if it's, and if it's more comfortable and it's concealable, you're going to carry it more. And again, no gun is going to save you if you can't get to it first. And if you're not carrying it with you, you're not getting to it, okay? So for that case, I would say that if you are willing to train, then I, my biggest, my best recommendation is to go with a semi-automatic pistol. So you have some different criteria here that you really have to do some self-analysis here. But the fourth point that I'll make here on these, on these bottom lines is that if you do, uh, no matter which, which you have, what you do, you do need to train with it, even if it is the simplicity of a revolver. You do need to train with it. You do need to understand what your limitations are. You do need to take that weapon and see if it's a, if it's a small frame revolver, like a snub nose that you can carry inside of your purse, 
Well, when you go to the range, you might find that you might unload the entire cylinder there, all six rounds or, or however many rounds you have in there. And you might find that not one single bullet hit your target from as little as just six, seven feet away. I've seen it happen, folks. I've seen it happen, okay? Especially under duress when you have the adrenaline flowing and you're just pulling that trigger back, especially because in a revolver, it is a harder trigger pull. So as you're yanking back that trigger, it's going to move that that weapon unless you're super trained, right? Um, but it is going to it is going to move more. So that's why it's more of a close range weapon. But again, most attacks happen in extreme close quarters. That's not that's not necessarily a problem there. It's a good weapon for close quarters like that. You just need to understand what your limitations are. Okay, are you able to take it and not just like slowly, slowly, slowly pull the trigger at the live fire range and boom? work on your marksmanship training. Like I mean, crank that freaking trigger, like get a round off as quickly as you can. Try and unload all six rounds as fast as you can. Where do your bullets end up? Bring the target in closer, all right? Start in closer, move it out further. Do these exercises so you understand what your weapon will actually do. So that you know if this person, if you're in an area where there's other people around in the parking lot, and this person is seven yards away from you, which isn't typically going to happen, but nonetheless, you might find that somebody even seven feet away from you, that if you try cranking down as many rounds as you can, that that might not be a good range for you, that do not try and pull that trigger on that person because you're not going to necessarily hit them. You might hit somebody else. Again, look at what your alternative weapons are that in close quarters, you might be able to get distance to be able to get to your gun and employ it. All right. I know I'm going a lot over a lot of different factors here, but nonetheless, I want to make sure that you do train with your weapon and you train the right way, not slow and steady marksmanship training. You need to train uh, to be able to pull that trigger with as much stress as you possibly can, but also at the distances that are realistic and pull that trigger quickly, right? Because that's what your body is going to want to do in a real attack. So if you want to know how to do I mean, you, this is something you can even do in your own home. Again, this is something I talk about in the Tactical Funhouse video course that shows you how to create your own do-it-yourself tactical range inside of your home um, that is not available again to the general public. It's not for sale anywhere. That's only available right now at this point at praxisclass.com. If you sign up for the, the Praxis method, Praxis gunfighting method class that I did with Mike Ox, then you'll be able to go and, um, and check that out there. Okay. Um, all right. So I want to hear from you. Are you a woman out there that does carry concealed? What was the best uh, process that you went through? What are, what are other considerations that you think maybe I didn't cover or things that were helpful and benefit beneficial for you when you were choosing your first weapon? Okay. How much do you train with it? What have you found to be a uh, key to be able to living that lifestyle effectively when it comes to concealment, being able to get to it, being able to employ it, the simplicity of it. What did you choose? I'd like to know what gun you chose. Uh, same thing for guys out there. Did you get one for your for your spouse or your girlfriend? Uh, what was the process that you used? Did any of these make sense to you? Did you use some other process? I really want to hear from you. So make sure that you go to our blog at moderncombatsurvival.com. Look for this episode number 278 here and go ahead and leave a comment there. What were your choices? How did you get to them? And what are some other tips that you have with the choice of a weapon, especially for women for concealed carry? Okay. Love to hear from you. All right. And until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. 
You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.